Today, on Raffi Reviews, Raffi Reviews Power Rangers, brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts. Okay, so here's the thing about the Power Rangers movie. I'm gonna get the obvious out of the way. First of all, clearly they had a very lucrative deal with Krispy Kreme donuts. Second of all, <clears throat> there's about two funny parts, including Krispy Kreme in this movie, and they're both kind of towards the end. Um, Every time Krispy Kreme is mentioned, I know a lot of people laughed. Um, I was kind of over it. Uh, there was one scene with... So the MacGuffin that everyone's going for is like under the, the Krispy Kreme in, uh, in, in Angel Grove. And uh, Rita Repulsa goes there. There's a scene of just Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa eating a, a donut at Krispy Kreme. And uh, it's funny. It's really funny. Um, if you don't like the sound of people eating, I do apologize for that opening. Uh, if it makes you feel better, I don't, I'm not even eating a Krispy Kreme donut. I was eating a Pop-Tart. I, uh, I don't know if there are Krispy Kremes in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, but I didn't feel like going to Dunkin' Donuts. Because uh, I know I'd come home and Bennett would, would call me out on that. But uh, yeah, Power Rangers. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've been meaning to do this review for a while now. So, this is definitely a different kind of review. Whereas with comic book movie reviews, it's a little bit more typical, you know, of me to review them because they're comic books. And But Power Rangers has always been different. I've always been a fan of Power Rangers. Um, I've seen a majority of the series. There's only like two or three series I haven't watched to completion. And those are usually the bad ones. Uh, Operation Overdrive, Mystic Force, that kind of thing. Um, but as I've made you know quite aware on the website and uh, on past podcasts, I am a fan of Power Rangers. The first one I grew up with was Power Rangers in Space, and so after that came out, um, they showed like reruns of Mighty Morphin on TV, and of course there was Netflix now, so I can watch it at any point. Um, then there's definitely like. There's definitely kind of a two-sided coin to Power Rangers. Either you like Power Rangers or you never like Power Rangers. Um, I'm sorry, my dog's in the room. He's growling. Shh. Clearly Sam is not a fan of the Power Rangers. It's a generational thing. Uh, I know when the Transformers movies were coming out, I wasn't into them whatsoever. Yeah, they're giant robots fighting. That's cool the first time around, but not really interesting me, you know? Uh... G.I. Joe, Thundercats, He-Man, I was never interested in that stuff. Even, like, even Ninja Turtles, to some extent. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I had a brief interest in them, because of obvious reasons, but I was never into, like, the older stuff. You know, I wasn't completely engraved in the, in the series. 
Whereas Power Rangers is totally different. Power Rangers was the thing I grew up with. So I definitely feel that whether you like it or not, it, I think it's more of a generational thing. It's, uh, you know, if you grew up with Power Rangers, you're probably going to like it. So, you know, when it was announced Power Rangers were going to get a movie, um, again, people were of, of two minds. You know, there were people like me who were like, oh my God, yes. Like, yeah, we're rebooting another old product, but at the same time, it's not that bad because... Like, if they reboot, you know, when they rebooted Transformers, there was more reason to be worried because Transformers now and again will have, like, TV series, right? Uh, same with the, the Ninja Turtles, you know? When that was being rebooted, most people weren't watching the current Ninja Turtles TV show on Nickelodeon. With Power Rangers, I don't think that was that much of a worry because despite it being a movie reboot, Power Rangers never stopped being on TV. There was never really a period in time when there wasn't a Power Rangers show. They're always back-to-back, -back, you know? And they're always changing. Um, but Power Rangers is, is always there. And I think what's really great about this movie is that they take basically the first two episodes, or I guess the pilot episode or whatever, of uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and they just they stretch it out. And they take all the ideas that were put there, and all the concepts, and they just like modernize them and kind of just stretch them out. Um, it's going to be tough for me to talk about this movie without comparing it to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but I can say this with assurance, like, the characters in this movie have more dimension and more character than the ones in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, and, like, that's not to say anything bad, because Mighty Morphin, like, the show wasn't made for interesting character development, it was made to sell toys and get kids interested, and of course everyone's going out and say, like, oh, they're they're not even real Power Rangers, they just use the footage from that Japanese show. And it's like, yeah, but if, if you want to tie it all back, Power Rangers comes from Spider-Man. A couple of people don't know that, but the reason we have Power Rangers is because of a Japanese show called Super Sentai. The reason we have Super Sentai is because of a Japanese Spider-Man TV show. And the reason we have that Spider-Man Japanese TV show is because of Spider-Man, an American convention. So if you're going to poke fun, it all comes back to Spider-Man. I'm just putting that out there. Just throwing down the, the spider gauntlet right there. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot more character in this film. Um, they took a lot of, like... They took a lot of shortcuts with some things. And I know people are going to be upset with some of the decisions they made, some of the changes. Um, but overall, I did like the movie. Uh, I'm going to try not to overstuff this review, but I do have kind of a, a list of what I want to talk about here. I'll try to go through it pace by pace and hopefully it'll be a good review for you guys so let's talk about the plot a little bit obviously it might be difficult for a Power Rangers movie to have a plot because original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers it was more episodic you know many of the episodes were interchangeable you know uh, the Rangers fight a monster it grows giant they get a giant robot they fight the end you know occasionally they'd have overarching plots and background stuff but for the most part it was a pretty basic freak of the week kind of show. Um, so for the movie, they kind of had free range to do what they wanted. It doesn't feel like an episode until the very end, which is either good or bad, depending on who you ask. Um, but when we open the film, we're in like the Jurassic era, you know, the, the years of dinosaurs or whatever. And Rita Repulsa is fighting Zordon and his Power Rangers. And this is where we get like the first big couple of changes. Uh, for one thing, Zordon was the original Red Power Ranger. 
his four teammates, like the four other Power Rangers that he commanded, uh, all died in combat. And they were all slaughtered by Rita Repulsa. And in this movie, Rita Repulsa is the original Green Ranger. And I know maybe that'll piss people off. Um, I'll probably get more into those decisions when I talk about the characters. Um, but basically, Rita's whole thing is that she betrayed the Power Rangers. She's going to take their coins, their power coins. Um, and she's going to take this thing called the Zeo Crystal from planet Earth. And they basically explain later that the Zeo Crystals are these... Each planet, in the center of each planet, there is a crystal that, can, that contains, like, all its life energy. And if you remove that crystal, the planet's life, uh, like, living organisms will slowly die. You know, the plants, the animals, the people will all die and be destroyed or whatever. And the Zero Crystal just has the contained power of a planet, which is a pretty big deal. It's a lot of power. And Rita wants to collect more Zeo Crystals. Now, obviously, if you hear the word Zeo Crystal and you're a fan of Power Rangers, you know Zeo Crystals are are actually a thing in the original series, but they're much different. Again, I'm going to save that until the end. Um, but, yeah, Rita is going to betray the Power Rangers. Zordon uses, like, the last of his power to seal Rita under the ocean. So, like, a million years later, we found out that the battle between Rita and Zordon that took place eventually became the foundation for Angel Grove. Now, in the show, Angel Grove was, like, California. Um, for the movie, it's more like... I want to say, like, East Coast. Kind of an East Coast kind of say It's on the exact opposite of where you'd think it would be. Um, it's a mining town. It's also a bay town, like a, a fishing town, basically. And it, you know, I won't say it has a lot of personality. It's definitely a lot murkier uh, than you'd expect. But luckily, like... The environment of Angel Grove and the the set pieces they use are like the the murkiest part about the movie, if that makes any sense. Like nothing else about the movie is kind of like uh, too grim, I think. But uh, you know, it feels a bit more real as a town. Um, we open there, and like over the course of the story, we start meeting our five main characters. Um, due to circumstances, uh, the five of them happen to end up in the same place. They end up fighting this cave. In the cave, it leads them to an alien spaceship, and in the spaceship is uh, this robot named Alpha, and they also meet Zordon there, and Zordon, in this version, instead of being in a, in a, stuck in a tube, his consciousness is into, inside the alien ship, and so his face appears, like, on this wall, and he's basically just stuck on this ship as a, kind of as a, a computer, basically. And Zordon and Alpha tell them, like, you know, because these five kids found the power coins, you five are going to have to be the new Power Rangers because, hey, Rita Repulsa is coming back. And as we find out, um, like I said before, it's a shipping, uh, fishing town. So when they pull up fish, uh, they find the body of Rita Repulsa. And over the course of the movie, she becomes stronger. Uh, she's gathering all the gold she can find so she can make a monster named Goldar, who was a character in the old show, now he's kind of just a giant monster, and it's kind of disappointing, but, like, really, you only liked Goldar because of how he looked and how he talked. He wasn't exactly character of the year, at least not at first. Um, but, like, we're just going to build Goldar and use Goldar to find the Zeo Crystal, which is in Angel Grove. And over the course of the movie, Alpha and Zordon have to train these five kids. They have to work as a team. They have to be the Power Rangers. 
and uh, stop Rita. So, again, pretty basic plot. Um, and I think it's handled pretty well, to be honest with you. Like, the story itself, like, disregarding characters and kind of just looking at the, the dialogue and everything, I think, I think it came out pretty well. Um, one of the initial things that people criticized about the film was that the Power Rangers don't get the suits until the last, like, 20 or 25 minutes of the movie. Uh, so, like, the final battle, basically, is them in the actual costumes, using the Zords and actually fighting monsters and stuff. All the stuff that leads up to that is character stuff. And I think for the typical viewer, they're going to be disappointed. You know, it's basically seeing a superhero movie. It's basically if you went to see a Batman movie, and he wasn't Batman until, like, the last, like, half of the movie. Or, like, not even, the last, like, chunk. Like, the, the last 20 minutes, he decides to be Batman and put him in the suit. For me, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Um, because, like, Power Rangers as a show was, again, just to sell toys, sell merch, and have, like, cool images, and, you know, have fun fight scenes or whatever. Like, so much so that if you were a kid watching Power Rangers, you were kind of bored until they became Power Rangers, and back then it was easier, because you would have two to three Power Ranger fight scenes, and nowadays it's even, like, more easier, because the Japanese Sentai knows that America's going to use their footage, so they put in more ranger scenes and more ranger interactions. So, like, in this case, it's much different, because it's a movie, and it gets the chance to flesh out these characters. And, like, it's a good opposition. Because, again, in the show, they were pretty one-dimensional. Not a lot of the Power Rangers had pretty fleshed-out characters, not in Mighty Morphin, at least. Um... I would say the first ranger to actually have, like, some trauma, some, like, personality, maybe, um, was Andros from In Space, the Red Ranger, because he was an alien, his sister was kidnapped when he was younger, he acted as a solo ranger for a long time, like, that was the first time we got a different kind of ranger. In this movie, they work hard at establishing that these, you know, are individual characters who are very different from one another, and, most importantly, <laughs> they're teenagers with attitude. And I say that not lightly. Uh, in the original show, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers were kind of just like the, the the preps, you know? Like, they they hung out of the juice bar, they taught classes, they were helpful in the community, they went to charities, they helped out the homeless, and, like, they were just, like, good kids, you know? And uh, when, when Zordon says, we need teenagers with attitude, they don't really have attitude. Like, the... the Previous Power Rangers from Mighty Morphin, they had, like, spunk. I wouldn't say they had attitude. I would say they have spunk. They have, like, moxie. <laughs> I don't know. But they're brave. Uh, but the Power Rangers in this movie, they do have attitude. And, like, I guess the difference is that, like, attitude nowadays means that, like, attitude is bad. Whereas back in the day, attitude was cool, you know? Um... Attitude now is kind of just standard, and if you have too much attitude, people just call you an asshole, and that's that's the world, you know. <laughs> um, but it's it, it's refreshing. I know for a while I was kind of down in this movie because they were darkening up the Rangers. Um, I guess because after they put Captain America on film, and he was exactly how he was in the comics, and he like was a moral epicenter, and he was um, like he was brave, he was honest. He was humble, 
he was always right. He always had the right motives in mind. Like, he was an uncorruptible character who didn't come off as, like, narcissistic. He didn't come off as pandering. He didn't lecture anyone, really. Like, Chris Evans as Captain America is, like, basically what Superman should be in the movies. But Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, they don't really do that. Um, but when I see Captain America in the movies, I think, like, oh, man, like, so many studios could do this. Like, take characters who started out as uncorruptible and morally great and basically just adapt that to film. Because, again, they, they managed to do that without making Captain America hokey. You know, Captain America can still be cool and still be a symbol of righteousness, and I love that. Um, the reason I bring that up is because, again, the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers were that. They were morally uh, uncorruptible. They were all, like, they were five really good kids who helped the community and stuff. Um, it would have been great to see that translated on a film, you know, to do the Captain America thing five times over. But I think giving them this real-life attitude and dirtying up their characters, it, it makes them feel more distinct from regular characters, I think. Um, it makes them feel more tangible, too. But that being said, like, the story, again, it's pretty basic. They have really good interactions, I think. It's a really solid story, and, again, most of the story is character development. And that's a rarity for superhero movies nowadays. And, you know, am I upset that they don't use the Power Ranger powers until the very end? A little bit, yeah. You know, they could have had, like, a mid-sequence or something, but I think at the end of the day, I can definitely say that the story is good. I can say the character development is good. Um, I wouldn't have enjoyed the movie as much at the end if I didn't have all that stuff in the beginning. You know, if it was Power Rangers start to finish, it would be okay. But the fact that I got to know these individual characters and see their journeys... Um, I think really made the film really great. Um, that being said, we'll move on to the characters and start talking about them. So first we'll talk about Jason, the Red Ranger, played by uh, Decree Montgomery. Uh, in the original show, Jason was the typical leader. He led a martial arts class at the at Ernie's Juice Bar. In this movie, they kind of go the predictable route of saying, okay, he was the leader in the old show. He was kind of a jock too, so why don't we make him a full jock in this movie? Uh, in this movie, Jason is a former high school quarterback. At the beginning of the movie, he's actually stealing the mascot of like a rival uh, football team, and it's a, a cow, and they, he steals it, and he puts it in the locker room of, I think, the uh, opponent school's locker room. And he's doing that with these two guys, and like, I don't think they're ever mentioned, but I was kind of thinking at first that these two other guys were like the new bulk and skull, but they're they're way too generic to like, be that. I think they were just like um, these two typical kids or whatever. Uh, it's actually sad. There's no real version of Bulk and Skull in this movie. There, there's possibly these two people later, um, but I'll get to them when I get to them. But Jason is like, he's, he starts out as this troublemaker, you know, again, he's under house arrest, so he and his father actually have like multiple interactions. Uh, Jason's in his room at some point, and his parents are arguing about his future in, like, the kitchen or whatever, because, you know, he was going to go to college for football, and now he's kind of flushed that down the drain, and it's, it's nice, it's kind of the first indication of, like, wow, the Power Rangers do have parents, <laughs> like, we always knew they did, we've seen their parents in, like, one or two episodes of the original series, but, like, now the parents are a bit more involved, at least Jason's are, but, like, Jason's just kind of the troublemaker, he's got to go to, a detention every whatever day I think he might be going to summer school or something but what is it they have to go to 
I'm sorry, I'm reading the thing on, uh, on Wiki here. Yeah, it is detention. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it took a minute to actually remember uh, what kind of school program they were all meeting in, but the Rangers meet through detention, which is, like, such an offset of, like, what it used to be. But it's kind of a realistic thing. It feels like a breakfast club with Power Rangers, and that's... I'm not complaining about that. Uh... <laughs> Let's see. So, yeah, the other thing about Jason that kind of makes him different from uh, from what we remember is that he, again, he's got an attitude, so he's anti-authority. Like, he has it out with his dad, he has it out with cops, but he also has it out with Zordon. And we'll talk about Zordon much more later, but this Zordon's a bit more morally gray, and, you know, there are decisions that Zordon wants to make, and there are things that Zordon says that Jason opposes to. And Jason argues at Zordon, Jason stands up to Zordon, in order to lead the Power Rangers the way that Jason wants to. And it's nice, because over the course of the film, we see Jason is just like, he doesn't want to really interact with any of these people. You know, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily hate them, he just doesn't really like them at first. He doesn't want to be a part of this any, at first. But over time, he kind of feels like it's his responsibility. And the other thing is you got to figure he's a football star that made a big mistake, and now he's lost his future. At this point, Jason probably feels that he's he's always been destined to do something great and maybe at first he thought it was football and then obviously that didn't go the way he thought it would he messed that up royally but now he gets to find out that I'm more important than I thought I was before you know I have much more weight on my shoulders I am destined to be something great but it, it it's something larger than life um, the other thing about Jason in this movie that is kind of like hinted at but they don't go anywhere with it really it's hinted at that Jason and Kimberly in this movie have a thing going on, or at least they want to have a thing going on. In fact, in a lot of the commercials for the movie that you might have seen, trailers and such, uh, there's a scene of Jason and Kimberly kissing. That isn't in this movie. The scene of Kimberly in Jason's room that night is still there, uh, but there's no kiss. And, you know, they give each other these looks now and again, but the only indication that they might be interested in a relationship is near the beginning where Kimberly just wants to, like, leave Angel Grove. And Jason's like, well, then why don't we? You and me will run away. And it's like, it's sweet. You know, I was kind of really hoping that they'd do a relationship between the two of them. Uh, especially if, like, the future... Especially if, I guess, jumping ahead here. Especially if they're going to bring Tommy in, the Green Ranger, in, like, the next movie. Obviously, you're going to want to do the Tommy-Kimberly relationship. Because that was the only real relationship from Mighty Morphin. Was Tommy and Kimberly. Um, I, I would think if you were going to hook... Jason and Kimberly up, you could have a, a sweet love triangle thing going on because they're teenagers. It's a love triangle. People are gonna eat it up. But uh, I guess they, I guess they went back on that. Maybe they will get back to it in the future movies. Uh, we'll see. We'll definitely see. Um, we'll move on to the Blue Ranger now. Again, I like Jason. There's not anything else really go out about him. Uh, his dad has a bit more interaction in the movie than you expect. <sighs> But yeah, for the most part, that's Jason, former football star, now the leader of the Power Rangers. He's got a good arc. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, yeah, so Blue Ranger, Billy, Billy Cranston. Uh, in this movie, he is played by R.J. Seiler. Oh, wait. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay, R.J. Seiler is playing uh, Billy Cranston, the Blue Ranger. So in the original show, in many more of him, Billy was my favorite because... A, he was a lot like Peter Parker in that he was a nerd. 
Uh, but B, because, like, he was the only Power Ranger that really couldn't fight at first, which was interesting. He kind of just, like, clumsily avoided fighting uh, until he morphed and he had powers. And it wasn't just the fact that he was the smart one. Uh, it was also just that, like, he felt normal to me. And it's also, like, over the course of the show, you see that he learns how to fight, and he actually becomes more like a ranger, uh, like the other four rangers. Which is nice, because it's one of that, like, it's one of the few instances of a character developing over the course of the show that Billy gets better at fighting. It's also funny because the actor that played Billy back in the day, um, I can't remember his name, but back in the day, Billy, the guy that played Billy, you know, he, he had a good physique. He was muscular. And so in the show, because he was the nerd, they had to cover that up. So they gave him a lot of baggy clothing to cover his muscles. But as the show went on and we saw Billy became better at fighting, the showrunners allowed him to wear more revealing clothing that would show off his uh, his muscles. So by the end of, like, uh, Power Rangers Zio, like, you got to see Billy in a tank top and he was ripped. <laughs> Which I always liked. I always liked that the nerd got to be also, like, really strong. And, like, I'm, I'm ranting about the show and, like, where the characters went. But this Billy's pretty good, too. You know, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it that. Like... They did a race swap. They made him black, which, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care either way is the thing. They made, if they made the Black Ranger black and they made the Yellow Ranger Asian again, I wasn't going to be upset by that. I know people, I don't think people are actually offended by that, but they, like, they laugh at it, like, oh, the Black Ranger was black. Like, the, the truth is it was, a, it was an afterthought in the original show. Um, but as far as rebooting the series and, and doing a movie... I couldn't care either way, because it's a double-edged sword. Like, if you make the Black Ranger black, um, you're staying loyal to the source material, but you're also welcoming in racist comments and jokes. But if you change the Black Ranger to, like, an Asian guy or a white guy, and you make the Black Ranger the Blue Ranger, um, you know, it's a bit more, so like, politically correct, because you're not doing the black-on-black -black thing. But it's also like, oh, look at them. They're they're running from the source material to cover their asses. Like, you can't win in that decision. So, as far as this is concerned, as long as the character is good, I don't really care about the race. Um, actually, I would never care about the race. Don't use that against me. Um, but Billy is interesting in this movie because he's still a nerd. And he's still, like, uh, tech-savvy. He, he actually sets up explosives because uh, the whole reason they go to find the power coins is because Billy and his dad used to... Um, used to go up by the the mines and the the mines and the quarries and like dig for rare rare stones and stuff and they would use explosives that they would build um i think in this movie billy's dad passed away um and like in private billy will still talk to his dad as if his dad is like there with him like a voice in his head which is like you know pretty sweet you know kind of a sad sweet <laughs> but um but billy okay so the thing anyone's gonna, everyone's gonna tell you about Billy in this movie is that, for one thing, he's a black kid, because that's always the topic. The second thing is that he's autistic. He's on the spectrum of, uh, of autism. Um, <laughs> so, I'm, I'm so rattled that I have to talk about this. So, like, this is another double-edged sword, I think, especially for me, personally, because I've known autistic people, um, and I'm not, you know... I'm not shy to talking about it, but, like, it's still double-edged, because, like, if if you wanted him to be nerd, if you wanted him to be a nerd, you wanted him to be awkward, 
you wanted him to have, like, social problems, you could do that. Like, basically, if I didn't know, if they didn't say that Billy was autistic in this movie, I wouldn't know if he was autistic. He would just be an awkward nerd who has, like, social problems and he talks to himself. It wouldn't look weird to me. Like, if, if I didn't know if he was autistic in this movie, I would I would think nothing of it. You know, his character doesn't change based on the fact that he's autistic, you know? Um, but the fact that they say he's autistic as a means to explain why he's acting the way he is, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like you could have done the same character without mentioning the fact that he's autistic or even implying to it, you know, just by saying he's socially awkward or he's, you know, has some kind of mental thing going on. But, like, you, it, it's hard because while I've known autistic people, I don't know the full range of the topic. But to me, it's kind of like... It should be a good thing because it's the first time we have an autistic superhero on a film. I've never even seen an autistic superhero in comics, so this is kind of the first instance of that. And that's something definitely to be proud of, I think. I think if you're going to see this movie and you're autistic or you have a friend that's autistic or whatever, you'd be proud of the fact that they have an autistic superhero. And the Blue Ranger, nonetheless, like, he's one of the more important ones. Like, blue, as far as, like, the rest of the colors are concerned, is always, like second tier to like red or whatever but and the fact he's, he's really useful he's really a linchpin in this movie billy is kind of like the heart and glue of the power rangers um but as far as him being autistic like i don't know i'm above i'm of two minds about it because i feel like you still kind of made him that nerd without making him autistic but i also understand why it was important to establish him as autistic to kind of separate him from other characters um the other thing they do with billy and again I hate to talk about spoilers, like, I hate to not talk about them, but more like, I hate to hate to talk about spoilers. The fact is, if you're watching this review, I'm going to talk about all spoilers. I'm reviewing the entire movie. It's not spoiler safe, you know? Um, Billy does die in this movie. He's drowned to death by uh, Rita Repulsa, and at first, when they were pulling him out of the water, when the rangers were pulling him out of the water, I was thinking, like, oh, like, he's going to spit up water at the last moment and say a funny line... Or Kimberly's going to give him, like, mouth-to-mouth, -mouth and he's going to have this dumb smile on his face. No, he's dead. Billy dies, uh, and they bring his body in, like, a all the way to back to Zordon's ship. And it's, it's a sad moment, to be honest with you. It's one of the moments that kind of, like, caught me off guard. Because usually just, they could have had it be like, oh, he dies, next shot, they're in Zordon's ship. That's not what they do. They do, a, like, a couple of shots where they carry Billy's body all the way to the ship, which is not what I expected. You know, especially when he died, I was like, all right, next shot. But like, no, they do this whole sequence. They carry him, like, over their shoulders uh, all the way to the canyon or the, what's, the, the caves. They go through, like, the water that's under the cave with Billy, like, carrying him into the water. And then they carry him into the ship. And they tell Zordon and Alpha what happened. And it's, you know, it's heavy. And they all have this moment where they talk about how great Billy was. And there's the, there's this entire campfire scene that's kind of like... That helps the, all the rangers get, like, unit together. And through that campfire scene, they all have this appreciation for Billy. Again, Billy's the heart of the team. And he's, you know, kind of the, the Forrest Gump character where it's like, you, you kind of got to love him. Um... And he dies, but then Zordon does a thing, and I'll bring this up later. Zordon does a thing that brings Billy back to life. 
and it, it means shit, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a meaningful scene. Um, I will say, I think Billy of the five Power Rangers was my favorite character without even like feeling so much for that. But like out of these five characters, I think Billy does make the most impact. And I think he is kind of the most important among them. Uh, I was really caught off guard with the way Billy, Billy was portrayed. So I'm glad that Billy was written the way he was. I'm, I'm, I like this new version of the character. So next we'll talk about Zack, who is the Black Ranger. Again, in the original show, he was a black kid uh, who like did dance. Uh, he he did a dance martial arts called Hip Hop Aikido in the old show. Um, this Zack in the movie is very different. For one thing, he's Asian American, uh, and his complex or his conflict or whatever is that he lives in a trailer park with his mother, and his mother is very sick, and she's possibly dying, and he is taking care of her. And when he's not staying there to take care of her, he's just going out and kind of just hanging out in the uh, the mine, the canyon, or whatever. Um, I guess the mining plant is the best way to put it. And, like, he just hangs out there. He, he drops out of school. Um, he just people watches the people that come to the canyon, like Trini, who we'll talk about next. Um... Zack is, like, he's portrayed as being kind of, like, crazy. Like, he's just really exuberant. He's got this energy. He's got an ego about him. He's got, like, a lot of uh, pride about him. And at first, it's pretty annoying. At first, he's like, I'm the funny guy. Uh, look at me. I'm the poster boy or whatever. Um, but then later, you find out about his mom. You find out that, like, he goes and he gives medication to his mom. And sometimes he, he leaves the house just because, like, he's afraid she's going to die on him. He's afraid he's going to be in the house when she passes. And he's afraid that, like, sometimes he won't even go at, go home at night because he, he's afraid that if he wakes up, his mom's going to die. And during that campfire scene I mentioned before, Zach, uh, who was played by uh, L- Ludi Lin, he has this, this scene that really gets you. You know, he's talking about, like, how I dropped out of school and, like, I got this mom, and he yells out to the to the world, and she's the best. Like, he's yelling out that his mom's the best or whatever. And then he, he, he starts cracking up, and he's like, but she's sick, and, and I'm afraid to go home at night because if I wake up, she might be dead. Like, damn. Like, at that point, you're like, okay, okay, I, I, I get Zach now. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's a heavy thing uh, for Zach to... To have that whole mother thing. That being said, the whole his whole character is kind of weird because his other character trait in this movie is that he wants to be famous. Like the reason he hangs around the mines and the reason he like occasionally will dig for stones is because he thinks he'll discover a rare stone and he'll sell it and he'll become famous. When he becomes a Power Ranger, he's like, "Man, I told you guys I'd be famous or something," um, and that kind of seems like out of nowhere. It kind of seems untouched on, you know, he doesn't seem like the kind of person that wants to be famous. Like, he's, he says he wants to be famous, but you never see him, like, playing a guitar or, like, YouTubing or something, like, actually trying to become famous. It's more like, well, if this thing happens, maybe it'll make me famous. It's more like being famous is an afterthought. Um, but what was interesting to me was, I think was really kind of a missed opportunity is that he should have been the guy to be like, wait, why can't we tell people we're Power Rangers? Why can't I show off my powers? Why can't I use being a Power Ranger to become famous? Because if that's his, you know, one of his character motivations is being famous, 
why would he not argue, like, no, let fuck Zordon, okay, let's use our powers in front of people and become real-life superheroes and people will, like, do interviews of us. You know, he should be the booster gold of Power Rangers because he wants to be famous <laughs> instead of relying on finding old stones. Or at the very least, like, behind the other Rangers' backs, have Zack, like, put on a mask and, like, vigilante it up, you know, like, be the Batman of Angel Grove just to get attention and reputation and eventually get famous that way, you know, it would make Zack a little more unlikable, but it would kind of, like, give more credence to him wanting to be popular, wanting to be famous. And, like, taking that to the next step, you have this character who offhandedly mentions that he wants to be famous, but also heavily, you know, talks about his mother dying. Why would you not connect those two character plot points, you know? Why would you not have Zack explain at some point, like, I want to be famous so that way I can make money and take care of my mom. Like, my mom's on medication, we're living off of back checks in this disgusting old trailer park. You know, if I become famous, I can put us somewhere better. I can put her in a hospital. I can care for her, and she can live happily if I become famous. Like, if you made that the motivation. Because having him just want to be famous is like, ah, that's typical. He's whatever. He's he's the show-off kind of character. Of course he wants to be famous. But, like, if he's like, I want to be famous to take care of my mother who's dying. Like, that gives you so much more sympathy for the character. So... You know, all in all, I think, like, Zack had the most potential as a character. You could have made him different. You could have made him kind of stand out among the Power Rangers of being like, no, let's let's be famous. Because the rest of them are like, being superheroes sounds kind of difficult. But Zack should be like, no, this is my chance to be famous. And he should also be like, and if I'm famous, my mom won't have to die because of, of, of what I can't do. Because if he, if he feels powerless about his mom dying on him, Becoming famous by using his Power Rangers powers would be the the most likely thing, you know? It's kind of like when Spider-Man started out, he was a wrestler, and he would go on TV shows and stuff, and they'd pay him for interviews, and they'd pay him for wrestling matches, and he would use that money to support his Aunt May. And it was like, yeah, it was irresponsible because he was using his powers to like get one up on other people, and he was using his powers for profit, but at the same time, he was doing it to support himself and to support his family. If he did that with Zack, you'd flesh him out much more as a character. So, all in all, like, Zack had a lot of potential, but I think they kind of missed the mark with how he was portrayed and what his motivations were. So next is Trini, who uh, in this is played by Becky G. <laughs> uh, it, it seems like, in the old show, Trini was Asian-American, this time around, she seems to be Latino, which I appreciate. The original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers didn't have a Latino character until Rocky DeSantos, who was the second Red Ranger. I appreciate the way of a Latino Power Ranger. I appreciate that she doesn't, like, lack that Latino flair. Like, again, I'm not one to really talk, because, yeah, I'm Puerto Rican, but I'm also one of the whitest kids you know. Um, but I do appreciate that they portray a Latino woman with kind of, like, the the untouched anger of the character, but because of who Trini is in this movie, there's also this subtle attitude about her, um, almost as if she's a teenager with attitude. <laughs> but, like... So, Trini, in the original show, and it sucks to say this, but she was kind of the blandest character. She was just there to be kind of a translator for Billy and to be Kimberly's best friend. That's kind of it. Um, unfortunately, the actress that played Trini in the original Power Rangers... Uh, died around the same time as September 11th, so many people weren't aware of her death back then. She died in a car accident, 
it's pretty sad. And I bring it up just to respect her, you know. Um, but this treaty is much different because the old treaty wasn't much. Um, in this, she's kind of like an outcast. She's a new girl at school. Um, she she has family issues, and it's not the typical like oh. Was the dad beating on her or something? Like, no, it's not. It's not that. It's just that like, she's kind of this rebel without a cause. Her her family has moved to like five different or three different places, so she doesn't really get accustomed to school. She doesn't really talk to people. Um, Zach calls her crazy girl because she hangs out in the quarry, and it's like, well, Zach, you're hanging out in the quarry too. And like when Trini hangs out in the quarry, she's doing like yoga exercises to rock music, and when you go to the quarry, you spy on people. Like you're definitely the weirder person. Um, this quarry also has, like, a, a a waterfall that, like, Kimberly swims at. Like, this quarry has it going on. In the original Power Rangers, the quarry would always show up just as a place to have a fight scene in, like, every Power Rangers series. But here, the quarry has character, and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, Trini's problem with her parents is that her parents and her siblings, like, don't understand her. Like, her mom is all bent out of shape because Trini doesn't talk about what's going on at school or talk about her friends, or what she wants to do with her life. Trini's just very um, distant with her parents. And her dad is a cop who shows up in the movie a, a couple of times, too, which is cool. Um, but, like, yeah, so <laughs> Trini is just living this, like, not really a bad life. It's just that she has an uncomfortable home life because her parents don't know her, and she doesn't really want her parents to know her. Um, and that's kind of the thing that separates her from a lot of the characters. The other thing worth talking about with Trini in this movie is that this version of the character is has uh, an unconfirmed sexual um, orientation is the best way to put it. Basically, there's a scene, it's the campfire scene, where we get the hint that Trini might be into girls. Basically, Zach asks her if she has boyfriend troubles, and she kind of shrugs that off. And then he asks about girlfriend troubles, and then she goes talking about her parents having these ideas of labels and and uh, kind of these old-fashioned views. And her parents always watch, like, who she's hanging around and how she should dress. They're basically overbearing, over-controlling parents that want her to fall in line and basically be a good kid. And her parents don't really understand her or what she wants to do, and she doesn't understand herself at all either. So... It's kind of left in the air. I, I've been saying she's bisexual in this film just to cover both bases. She's kind of just experimenting. She's at that age where she's trying to discover herself. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty big deal. It's the same thing as the autism thing with uh, Billy. But uh, but her being bisexual, I don't really have an issue with that. Again, it just gives another trait to the character that she didn't have before. Um, I'm glad that they're not in your face about it. And... I mean that in the least disrespectful way I can put it. Uh, again, I know people that are bisexual. I have family members who are gay. Um, Bennett is actually gay. He just doesn't know it yet. Um, but most movies, if you have a gay character, they're very in your face about it. Every other line, they make a, a comment about being gay or, you know, in a woman's case, every other moment is like them looking at another woman. There's actually moments in this film where Trini has, like, bonding moments with Kimberly, and they don't go that way. You know, they don't imply that she's got, like, the hots for Kimberly. 
they're just friends, and they, they really show that in a great way. Uh, there's a scene where they're like in a coffee shop eating food, and they're fighting over the last piece of food, and it's really, it's really cute, funny motion uh, moment. So, you know, they're not in your face about her sexual orientation. They kind of just, and they don't even confirm it. They kind of just leave it hanging on the nail, and you're left to assume what you want. Um, and again, it, it gives this air of mystery to a character who is already very quiet and like you know she's kind of mysterious in that way because she doesn't really understand herself yet so um so yeah trini again much more interesting than what she was in the show um again she had the attitude that a teenager needs and uh she provided like a, a different um a different shade of a teenager that these other characters provide and the final power ranger is uh kimberly played by naomi scott so Again, in the old show, Kimberly was basically the eye candy. You know, she was a gymnast. They usually put her in some pretty, um, I don't, I don't want to say revealing, but if you're like a 12-year-old kid watching Power Rangers back then, uh, Kimberly was probably your first crush. That, that was usually the thing. Usually Kimberly was the first crush that every kid of 94 had. Um, again, I was born in 94, so I didn't, I wasn't, she wasn't my Power Ranger crush. It was, a Ashley, the Yellow Ranger from uh, In Space. But again, I get it. Kimberly was the eye candy. Um, and of course, she had a relationship with Tommy, so people knew her for that too. Uh, this version of Kimberly is, again, you got the attitude. And I will say, there's a, there's a thing with Kimberly that I was really confused by. And I keep mentioning this to people. So, there's a part in this where... So Kimberly's like, character arc or whatever, is that when the movie starts out, she has these two female friends, and they're all on a gymnastics team, right? Apparently, she did something awful to these girls, or at least to one of them. And so, in the beginning of the movie, they meet in the bathroom. The two girls take out a, a photo of the three of them. They take out a pair of scissors, and they cut Kimberly out of the picture. Then they take a pair of scissors, and they nail the picture to the wall of the bathroom, and then they walk out. And Kimberly takes the scissors... And it looks like she's going to cut herself. And I, when it looked like she was going to do that, I could hear a couple of people in the theater actually groan and like, kind of like grunt or whatever. Um, but then the next scene is her coming back to the classroom and she had cut her hair. So she has short hair. And all the students are like clapping and cheering. And it's like, I guess they're supposed to clap and cheer because they're supposed to be us, the audience. Like we're supposed to feel like, no, yeah, good for Kimberly. Instead of cutting herself... She cut her hair. It, I guess that means something. Again, maybe I'm the wrong audience for that moment. But I really I really don't understand what, what that's supposed to be. Because if I was in a classroom and a girl left the class, came back a few minutes later with her hair cut, no one would be cheering. They'd just be looking at her like, what, what did you do? Why did you, you cut your hair? Right? You couldn't wait to go home to, to do that? Like, What's the point? And the teacher wouldn't have been like, okay with it either. He'd be like, what, you skip on class, just cut your hair, get back to work. It's, it's for a movie, I, I get that it's a, a movie, it's not totally realistic, but it's still semi-realistic. You know, it still has a character who's autistic and a character who is sexually confused. So why the heck would she cut her hair and then people would applaud it? I don't, I don't get it at all. I mean, I guess she's popular, so maybe that has some way about it. But like, as an audience member, should I feel proud of her? Because, yeah, she didn't cut herself. That's one thing to be proud of in the character. I'm glad they didn't go that route. But to cut her hair, it's like... It's like she didn't cut herself, and I'm like, all right, good. And then she cut her hair, and I'm like, all right. 
okay, good for you, I guess. I don't know. Again, maybe it means something to some other audience, but um, that was just weird. Um, but her other her actual character arc is the two girls that like cut her out and and stop being her friends. The reason they stop being her friends is that apparently she, Kimberly, got this like private message from one of her female friends, and it was uh, it was an inappropriate photo of the girl. Like I, I guess she was taking a photo of herself and sent it to Kimberly. Um, you know, I guess just a thing that good female friends do for each other, just to like, like how do I look or whatever, you know, something like that. Just a very private message that was supposed to be between the two of them, and it had a. Uh, revealing photo of the girl that sent it to Kimberly and <laughs> and Kimberly sent it to this guy who was dating that girl and then that guy spread it around the school so basically it's it's a minor form of cyberbullying um, because through no fault of her own like Kimberly just sent it to one person and it was supposed to be private but that guy spread it around the school so now that girl is you know outcasted and seen differently by the entire school so because of Kimberly, this young girl's life is kind of ruined, and she carries that throughout the film by by like the not the total ending, but near the end, she sneaks into Jason's house and actually talks to him about that. She tells him like, um, you know, I had to sit there in the office and watch as the father of my friend looked at this photo of his daughter, and I had to see the absolute disgust and and shame in his eyes, and. uh it's it's pretty powerful, I think. Like it, it, like along the same line as Billy, I think Kimberly is a character I really enjoyed in this film. Because you know, Billy's sympathetic for pretty obvious reasons. Um, Kimberly is sympathetic in the way that I think she wants to redeem herself, but she doesn't know how yet, and she can't really redeem herself for what she did. She's not gonna get her friends back. Uh, all she can do is kind of live with that, and that's kind of a message that a lot of movies pass on to is that. The horrible things you did that you cannot fix, you have to live with them and you have to move on. And I think that's a good message. Again, it's more than I would expect from the Pink Ranger in this movie. Um, but yeah, it, it's a good character arc for her. Now, and earlier I mentioned that Bulk and Skull aren't in this movie. But the reason why I said um, there might be some version is that a lot of people online are saying, like, oh, Kimberly's friends are like the new Bulk and Skull. Because occasionally they'll show up in the background and bad stuff will happen to them. Like, when the rangers have their power coins, the power coins radiate energy that, like, makes all the lunch food kind of explode in their pots. So those two girls are, like, hit with a bunch of, like, food, a bunch of lunch food. It's a big joke or whatever. Um, but you see them a couple times in the movie getting screwed over by what the power rangers are doing. And people are like, oh, they're kind of like the new Bulk and Skull. I, I don't have a problem with gender-swapping Bulk and Skull. As long as, like, the characters are kind of similar. Because the best thing about Bulk and Skull is that of the main cast of Mighty Morphin, they had the most personality. And over the course of, you know, the first couple of Power Rangers shows, they had a character arc. You know, they went from hating the Power Rangers because they're goody-goodies to eventually, like, worshipping them and wanting to be like the Power Rangers. I think they became cops, like, during Power Rangers Turbo. Um, like, Bulk and Skull were legit characters. And they had this radiance to them. Every time Bulk and Skull would show up on the show and you'd hear the music, every time they Bulk and Skull would show up, the show would be theirs. They would own the show at that moment. And they were fun. And, you know, these girls, 
again, if they want to do female Bulk and Skull, whatever, as long as they're funny and they keep the the essence that Bulk and Skull had. But these girls, I, I can't really accept them as Bulk and Skull yet. I get that they start out as bullies and then, you know, then they, you know, kind of get bad karma on them. But, uh, but again, if these two are supposed to be like the spiritual successors to Bulk and Skull, I can only hope that the next movie in they kind of come to appreciate the Power Rangers and have their own character arc. So I guess I'm not knocking the idea, but I'm not totally on board for it, um, if that makes any sense. <laughs> okay, so uh, Zordon, played by uh, Brian Cranston. If you're wondering why Brian Cranston is in this superhero movie, this Power Ranger movie, Brian Cranston voiced a bunch of monsters back on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, you know, back when he didn't have a career, really. Uh, so in honor for him, they named Billy Cranston, Billy Cranston after Brian Cranston back in the day. And, uh, now he's playing Zordon, which is pretty cool. When we first see him, he's like a humanoid and he's blue and he's naked. And I, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to see naked blue Brian Cranston. Um, but his Zordon's pretty interesting. Uh, instead of being trapped in another dimension and like stuck on a tube, uh, his body dies and his consciousness is downloaded onto the ship that they crashed in. And the ship is basically the new power center uh, for the Power Rangers. And, uh, again, he he used to be the Red Ranger of the Power Rangers, which is, I think, a cool twist. Um, I like that idea. I like that the Power Rangers were always a thing, even if they weren't on Earth. Um, especially if Zordon led them, because it gives him a more involved uh, place in the story. He's not necessarily just the mentor. He is the last leader. Which makes sense because he's, you know, commanding the team and guiding them. Um, what I really appreciate about Zordon in this movie is that he's morally gray. There's a line in here where he's like, the Power Rangers need to, you know, morph and get their power back because then I can use their power to come back to life. Which is an important detail. Um, and he's, you know, constantly kind of, he's kind of like a drill sergeant. Whereas with the old Power Rangers, he was just support. In this, Zordon is more like a drill sergeant. You know, he, he's hard on the Rangers. He tells them if they can't improve <clears throat> over time, there's no point. The Earth is doomed. That's it. He even uses technology to, like, create illusions of Rita to, like, scare them into, uh, into taking him seriously. Um, but he, he's... I don't know, again, he's morally great. So you don't completely hate him because you understand where he's coming from. You understand that he failed and his team died and that he's trying to save the Earth and trying to get these kids to, you know, wisen up and morph. Or morph. And, uh, again, he has this interaction with Jason, where Jason's basically like, well, it's not your team anymore, it's my team, let me lead it. And, uh, again, it's, it's a nice dichotomy between these two characters. It, it gives Zordon a character, whereas in the past he didn't really have one. Um, and, again, that whole thing about using the power of the morphing grid to come back to life... Uh, Zordon actually gives that up in order to bring Billy Cranston back to life. Which, again, it, it redeems Zordon as a leader. Because up until that point, you're like, man, I get that Zordon's trying to save the Earth, but he's such a hard-ass on these kids. Like, he, there's no wonder they're failing at everything. Because they got this fucking floating head in the, in the spaceship busting their balls every day. And it's like, by sacrificing his life, Zordon is basically saying, like, I am putting my faith in you five rangers. You know, I had the chance to come back to life and do something about this, but I have enough faith in you, Rangers, that you can do it. Which is, again, it's, it's a nice message. It redeems Zordon as a, 
as a leader, I guess. And again, Zordon does a pretty good... He has a good expository uh, moment in this movie where he explains everything, and it's pretty straightforward, I think, plot-wise. Uh, we also get Alpha, who's voiced by Bill Hader. Uh, old Al Alpha was just kind of a toy robot who uh, had a really annoying voice. ay 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 Um... But he really didn't do much. He kind of just, like, uh, he waddled around and pressed buttons. That was all Alpha did back in the old show, but Alpha 5 in this movie is, is a bit more helpful, at least. Um, he's got the same robot body, but it's got, like, extendable limbs, so he actually puts up a fight with the Rangers. Like, he can actually keep up with them. It's actually Alpha 5 that teaches Rangers how to fight, which is cool because... Again, this is this version of the Power Rangers, they're not, like, all martial arts experts. They're just regular kids, and so Alpha 5 is able to teach them how to fight and supposedly how to use martial arts or somehow. Um, and he, he teaches them how to fight by creating, like, holograms, like, uh, hologram versions of the putties, and he teaches them how to fight, like, one-on-one. -on -one. Like, he does a couple rounds with Billy, I think. And it's neat. It's actually neat to see Alpha 5 take a more hands-on role and be more helpful in that regard. Like, he's even teaching the Rangers about the Zords and stuff, so he does his job as a teacher, he does his job as a, as an assistant to Zordon and the Rangers. Um, you know, at first I was really down on this Alpha 5, because it's like, oh, he looks kind of gross, he doesn't look like a like he used to. Um, the voice isn't anything different, like, at least with old Alpha, uh, you could tell it was a really unique voice, but with, with Bill Hader, um, he does have his own wit about him, and he still does the IAI thing, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, Alpha 5 is just, he's more useful in this movie, so that's that's an immediate plus. They made a kind of a, a trope kind of character more useful than he used to be. The last character we're going to talk about is Rita Repulsa, played by Elizabeth Banks. Um, I will say, when we first meet her, uh, again, I don't have a problem with the cold Green Ranger thing, Again, it, it just makes some shortcuts, you know, allows you to set up the Green Ranger plot while also getting Rita Repulsa and also making her a threat. I will say in the old show, she was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> um, but th this was interesting because starting out, she was scary. She was like a horror movie villain. Uh, she kind of reminded me of the Enchantress from Suicide Squad. But she had these movements and these, like, she had fast-paced movements, and there were plenty of jump scares with Rita Repulsa, uh, which I hate. I hate jump scares completely. Um, it, it, most of the time when I've seen reviews online, it, we get the opposite from online reviewers, because most people like when she's jump-scary, super-scary, but her character starts to develop and become more zany and more hammy. Basically, she's trying to collect gold to build Goldar, and along the way, she's kind of like, Re rebooting like her <coughs> her youth is coming back to her she's becoming younger and less scary and like by the end of the film she's doing all the stuff Rita would do she's like make my monster grow and she's she's over the top um, again I mentioned that she has that scene in the Krispy Kreme where she just eats a donut um, she speaks of Krispy Kreme like it's a legendary temple of some sort like she's really just kind of funny at the end and <clears throat> A lot of people don't like that. They were like, no, 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 keep the horror movie one. But I'm the opposite way. I don't like that she was, uh... Like, it's fine that she was d jump scary at the beginning or whatever, but I like that she slowly becomes more dramatic and more like the old show. I, I think that 
Elizabeth Banks had a lot of fun playing the over-the-top Rita. And, uh, you know, I don't mind her look. I don't mind that her powers kind of came from the Green Ranger coin. Um, even though I already said that. <laughs> and again, building the putties and Goldar, she puts up a good fight. And again, she fights the Rangers physically, too. Which is something you never saw in the old show. You never saw Rita throw a punch in the old show. Um, so I appreciate that they made her a physical threat. Uh, she even, like, go. She even does the thing that they never do in the old show, where Rita goes to one of the Power Rangers' houses during the night and, like, <laughs> demands or, like, offers Trini to join her on the dark side. Um, luckily, Trini does, like, the thing they never do in these movies and TV shows. Trini goes to her teammates and tells them that Rita attacked her instead of being like, I'll keep it a secret and then go meet Rita in privacy. Like, luckily, she works with her team, which is nice. I, I appreciate that change. Um, but, yeah, Rita actually fighting the Rangers is cool. Uh, the horror movie stuff is cool, but I appreciate that they made her fun at the end. Um, because it felt like the movie was leading up to a more fun end scene, so to have her continue to be a horror movie monster by the end wouldn't really make sense to me, especially if the ending is typical Power Rangers. Um, the other thing I really appreciate is that Rita survives at the end of this movie. It would be so easy to kill her off like any other movie villain, but, like, they, they use the Megazord to slap her into space, and she's kind of frozen in the atmosphere, and that's it. Uh, she's not sent to the moon, which would have been nice if she was slapped all the way to the moon. That would have been funny. Um, but she's frozen in space, so she maybe she'll end up on the moon. Like she, like, because Mighty Morphin started out, she was trapped in a dumpster on the moon. So I, I think it's a allusion to that. <clears throat> but yeah, she was fun. She was a fun villain, I think. And uh, you know, the movie didn't even try to make her sympathetic. They were just like, nope, she's a traitor. She betrays Zordon, and she's trying to take over the world and destroy it and get its power or whatever. So, pretty straightforward villain. I, I like that they gave her more gravitas, more character, and more reason to consider her a threat. A couple of things I want to run through, because I know this review is going kind of long, just from talking about characters of all things. Um, I liked how the power coins were handled. They didn't really look like coins, they were just rocks, but would have been nice if maybe they chipped away and they actually did look like coins. Um... I like the whole idea that Jason leaves his coin on, like, his counter, goes into the bathroom, and then the coin is right there with him. You know, and there's a scene, actually, where they, they do that thing where they drive a car in front of a train. They think they're going to make it, but the train hits the car, and it falls off the road, and all five of the Rangers are in there. And somehow, they all wake up, and their house is totally fine. Uh, so I'm thinking that the coins have, like, a mind of their own, and that maybe they control the Rangers' bodies sometimes, or... You know, they could teleport themselves. Like, the ranger, like the coins clearly have some kind of abilities about them that allow them to stay with the rangers. Um, and again, when they get their coins, they start getting their powers. Jason wakes up and he's totally ripped and he breaks his sink with his bare hands. They can jump really far. They're super durable. Like, they have powers when they have the coins. Um, which, again, people might feel is stupid. Like, oh, no, they only have powers when they're morphed. But it's like... That, who cares? Who literally cares? You got that scene where Billy got headbutted by a bully and the bully fell down. That was fun. You got the scene where they were jumping across canyons. That was fun. You know, I don't think it's a bad thing that they they have their powers. Because it's like, if they're fighting... Because the putties are more intense this time. The monsters are going to be more intense. 
So, like, if a regular human was fighting a putty, they'd be crushed by their rock fists, you know? By letting the Power Rangers have superpowers outside of being morphed, um, like, it gives them more defense, it gives them more ability to, to fight and everything. And, of course, it creates the problem of, like, well, if they always have their powers, what's the point of morphing? Well, I assume if they morph, they have access to more weapons that way, like the, the Zords and... I think uh, Jason grows a sword out of his suit, so at least the suits like provide extra abilities. I remember in the show when they would morph, they would have their weapons and they would have like blasters too. So I can only assume the suits give them more weaponry and maybe a bit more defense and more power, because they're doing a lot more fighting in the suits against the putties than they are normally. In fact, they don't fight the putties as normal people unless they're training. Um, so the fact that they have powers doesn't bother me. Um, the whole thing about the suits was also up to debate with a lot of people because they don't morph until the, the like the very end of the movie, like the, the last twenty minutes. And I, I talked about this before, but um, I don't mind it. You know, if they had like one scene of them being morphed during a training segment, it definitely would have helped the film. Uh, but I get it. I, I think it was. I think they earned that payoff at the end. Um, and I have no problem with how the powers were used and how the coins were. The last battle was very typical to a Power Rangers episode because they all show up in their Zords, and I appreciate that the Zords fight Goldar individually. Goldar, again, being a giant gold monster. Um, the Zords all have their own unique abilities to fight uh, Goldar and fight the putties and defend people. Um, and it's nice, too, because, like, you don't really... You see everyone running, like, the, the masses, because the thing is a Power Rangers... You always gotta think, well, these giant robot fights happen in the city, where people are gonna die. And this is a small town, so you don't have to worry about collateral as bad. Um, like, cities are gonna be, like, buildings are still gonna be, still gonna be destroyed, but, like, not a lot of people have died. Um, and, like, the Power just don't really cause any of the death in this movie. It's just, it's Rita and her monsters. But, um, the last battle was fun, because, you know, they had the Zords all individual fighting. <clears throat> the Zords look okay. I think the Zords look okay as individual, like, dinosaurs. They look better individuals than they do when they're a Megazord. I, I still am not okay with how the new Megazord looks. It's too, like... It's too dark. And, like, when I look at it, I can't see how these individual machines kind of fit together. Whereas, like, the old Megazord, like, the very first one, like... Yeah, it looked kind of goofy, but you could at least tell how it all fit together. And they would show you in the Megazord sequence how the, the parts would fit together. If you had the toys, the Megazord toys, you could put them together the same way. This is different. Like, this Zord was clearly not, was made to be humanoid and, like, function like a humanoid. It was not thought of on a design standpoint. It was thought on a function standpoint. Um, or it might have been the other way around. Yeah, I think it's the other way around. It they were thinking about, we want the, the Megazord to look cool and, like, work CGI-wise. Like, we want to be able to put a guy in a CGI suit and have him move, like, the, the suit here. Um, but we don't care if people are questioning how it got put together that way. No one's going to care. It's a Power Ranger movie. Um, but, yeah, the Megazord's eh, but the individual Zords are really cool. Again, they look like their dinosaur counterparts. I'm kind of sad that they don't do more with the Zords and how they are, because in the show... The Power Rangers would morph, and they'd all, like, hold out their power coin and, and yell, like, Tyrannosaurus, Triceratops, that kind of thing. Um, it would have been nice if there was more connection to that. I don't even remember if they even mentioned the individual names of the Zords. Um, 
they might, they might, I might have forgotten, but like, I don't know, more emphasis on the fact that these are individual creatures based off dinosaurs and stuff, uh, would have been appreciated, and it would have been appreciated if these characters had, like, mentionings of it, like, Trini getting the saber-toothed tiger, she could have been like, oh, cool, a saber-toothed tiger, oh, man, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, just some kind of indication that these are individual, uh, robots, um, that's just some extra stuff. Some stuff I want to see in the future. Hold on, let me pause and pretend like this is another segment. Okay, some stuff I want to see in the future with uh, the Power Rangers movies, because this is a good movie. Alright, I'm saying that right off the cuff now. I know with a lot of movie reviews, I give them a pretty lenient score, and I'm pretty okay with it. And then later on, I end up hating it more. But that's more like the DC route. This is not. This is not DC movie quality. Um, this is not like Fox X-Men quality. I think this is, like, Marvel on their worst day quality. You know, like, some of Marvel's worst movies, Iron Man 2, Thor 2, they're not that great, but they're still watchable and they're still enjoyable. And this is what this movie is. Like, this movie is that tier of film. Um, so it's good. It's going to get sequels because, obviously, Lionsgate wants their own movie universe, their own cinematic universe. They want to expand the hell out of this. I'm not going to go on and on about, like, oh, I want to see Power Rangers in space and Power Rangers Time Force and throw out all these ideas. Like, that will come later, trust me. <laughs> um, but just some things that I'd be interested to see in the sequel is, obviously, the Green t uh, Green Ranger, have Tommy show up. I know he, his coat shows up in the after credit sequence, which is such a waste, but okay, it's a good hint. But we're getting Tommy in the next movie. He's going to be the Green Ranger. Um, I assume Rita's going to, like give him the green power coin and have them fight the rangers uh it'll be neat to see tommy and kimberly have you know what kind of relationship they're gonna have i'm interested to see what tommy's like because if all these rangers are like they took the old rangers and gave them more attitude and more like fleshed out characters i'm wondering what they're gonna do with tommy because tommy had like some semblance of character and uh you know some kind of character arc in the old show so that'll be cool and everyone knows tommy is the green ranger like, everyone got into Power Rangers because, oh, man, there's, there's an evil Green Ranger now who can fight all five of the Rangers. Like, that's going to be pretty epic, I think. Um, duh, duh, duh. Uh, oh, the whole thing of, like, when Rita's knocked, like, before Rita's knocked into space, uh, she, mentions, she mentions that she's not the only one who's going to come for the Zeo Crystal. Like, others will come and fight the Power Rangers, which is such, like, sequel bait. And I think everyone thought, like, oh, Lord Zed. Lord Zed is the next villain you got to bring in. He's, he's super cool from the Power Rangers uh, Mighty Morphin show. I was thinking, like, it brings that in, like, third movie. Second movie, you bring in Rita's, like, squad, <laughs> basically. Because you'll notice that Rita's alone in this movie. In the original show, she had, like, a whole group of characters that helped her. Um, Finster, who created the putties and created a lot of her monsters from Clay. <clears throat> you had Babu and Squat, who, are, who I guess were just scouts who would just go down to Earth occasionally and, and check it out for Rita. Um... And then, yeah, and then Goldar, who was an actual character for once. Um, but I'd be interested to see, like, um, Finster, Babu, and Squat, like, come to Earth looking for the Zeo Crystal. And maybe, like, you know, they're powerful aliens. They, they think they're powerful aliens, but then the Power Rangers are, like, easily can defeat the three of them. And maybe they get Rita. And maybe they help Rita construct Goldar again, but actually make Goldar, like, an individual. Like, make him a, a soldier, uh, a loyal, like, bodyguard to Rita, which, which would actually make sense, because then you would have Rita and, like, four assistants versus uh, the Power Rangers, 
And then you also have the Green Ranger between the two of them. So, you know, and again, <laughs> Babu, Squat, and Finster, and Goldar all had their uses in the old show, but there was definitely room for, like, actual character. Because, again, Babu and Squat were just there. They didn't really do much. Uh, so you could totally, like, flesh those characters out and, and give them some kind of new angle. And, again, you bring in more of the alien universe and, and show that, yeah, others will come. And sometimes they'll be, like, buffoons who just team up with Rita, or sometimes there'll be individuals like Lord Zed who'll take things into his own hands. So, again, the whole thing of Others Will Come sets up a lot of promise for these future movies, uh, especially if they're already opening up to aliens coming in. Um, let's see. Another thing, and this is kind of minor, but, uh, <laughs> like, the government getting involved or some kind of damage control, because, again, they only wrecked Angel Grove, which is just a small town, but, like, if we are working in a semi-realistic world, you know, have the government show up. There's actually a government unit in uh, Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue that makes their own Power Rangers. So, you know, maybe don't have them make Power Rangers. Maybe just have, like, a government unit show up in Angel Grove to investigate the Power Rangers. Because, again, the world government didn't have much place in the old Power Rangers show. They didn't really do much. Um, and that was always the question of, like, man... If cities are being destroyed every other day by this giant robot and giant monsters, like, where's the government in this world? And, like, how much money is being used to rebuild these buildings every other time? So, I don't know, some kind of reference to that, some kind of, like, rich character that comes in to fix the town, and some kind of government that wants to capture the rangers or something. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about is the Zeo Crystal, of course, because that's the MacGuffin that they're trying to protect. If Rita gets the Zeo Crystal within, within the Earth, um... Earth will be destroyed. Now, in the show, the Zeo Crystal was its own thing. The Rangers, like, had this powerful crystal called the Zeo Crystal, and in Power Rangers Zeo, the crystal split up and became, like, new morphing, uh, they all became power sources for the individual five Rangers, basically. So, so that's how you got Power Rangers Zeo, where the Rangers, instead of using the old morphers, now use the Zeo Crystals to make themselves Power Rangers. And in the show, it was said by Zordon that the more that the Rangers use the Zeo Crystals, the more the power powerful they'll become. Like the crystals grow stronger over time, which is kind of a a throwaway line because they don't really do anything with that. They just imply it and they say it outright the first time. But uh, that's why when they moved into Power Rangers Zeo, or sorry, it went from Zeo to Turbo. And God, this is this is gonna sound like a second language to most people. But when they went to one series, Power Rangers Zeo, to Power Rangers Turbo, people were upset by that, because it's like, you trade in the crystal that makes you stronger over time for a new Turbo crystal that just makes you strong unless you drive cars. It's kind of a downgrade, honestly. Um, but again, they're setting up the Zeo crystal as like this this uh, life source for the entire planet, um, you know. I think it's very predictable, like, third movie or fourth movie or wherever they're going to go with this, eventually the Power Rangers are going to get the Zeo Crystal. And, like, assuming they don't leave the planet, maybe they'll have the Zeo Crystal split up between the five of them. They'll get the new powers, they'll become stronger, they get, like, new suits so you can sell new toys and new Zords. Um, but I think that's how they're going to transition to Zeo, and I think if they have those crystals, the planet won't be destroyed as long as they're on Earth protecting it, so... I don't know. I mean, setting up the Zero Crystal this early is a, a ballsy move, but I think it's a good one. And like giving it more impor importance than it did have, than ah, giving it more importance than it had in the show 
is a is a good move on their part. So, yeah, those are some things I would like to see in the future of these movies. As far as a grade, um, I'm gonna give this a solid A. Um, I wasn't really disappointed with the movie. You know, I when I when I went in to see it, I was expecting. I wasn't expecting the best. Like, I, I didn't expect to be so satisfied, but I was really satisfied with this movie. Again, there's only minor problems that I have with it. Uh, people are going to have problems with this movie, you know, given the fact that the last 20 minutes is an actual Power Rangers episode. And the first, like, every other moment in the movie, like, up until that 20-minute, like, that 20-minute ending mark, um, it feels like a Chronicle movie, basically. But, like, I like that. I like that it's mostly character-driven. I don't mind that the last 20 minutes are your big action scene. I think it was worth it to get there. Um, the effects were okay. Um, the villain was fun, you know. I had a lot of fun with the individual characters. I love these new versions of the Power Rangers. I love the new Zordon. I love the new Alpha. I don't care if she's silly. I like this Rita Repulsa. And I think this, this movie franchise has a good future to it, you know. And they do do stuff for the fans. They mention, like, Morphin Time... Uh, Jason David Frank, who played the Green Ranger in the original show, and Amy Jo Johnson, who played the original Pink Ranger in the original show, have cameos in this film, you know? They do stuff for the fan base, and I appreciate that about this movie, too. So, yeah, a solid A. I think if you're a fan of Power Rangers, you definitely should see this. If you're a Power Rangers fan and you don't like this movie, this is, suspend your disbelief. You know, you can't. it's a movie, it's an adaptation, they change a lot of stuff, it's a reboot, Again, this is basically how I handle comic book movies, where if I look, a Batman, look at a Batman movie, I'm not going to be upset that it's not completely loyal, as long as, as long as it's, like, loyal to the heart of what Batman is. And the same thing goes for Power Rangers. Like, this isn't a straight-up adaptation of the Power Rangers show. They don't look like the original Power Rangers in costume design. A lot of the characters aren't in the same place as they were back in the show. Characters are completely different. But it keeps... I guess, the spirit of the show. You know, when I watch this movie, it gives me the same feeling of joy and entertainment as many Power Rangers series have given me over the course of 20 years. So, it achieves that. It is truly the spiritual successor to the original Mighty Morphin era. And it, you know, makes it just adult enough that you can be a 20-something-year-old and still be into it. But it leaves enough like the original source that if you're younger or you only watch Power Rangers for the fun of it, you're still going to enjoy the movie, I think. And if you're not a Power Rangers fan and you go to see this, you know, even if you hate the Power Rangers, like, oh, whatever, they're dumb, you're going to enjoy this, I think. I, I really think that whatever audience you are, the characters are relatable enough that you'll get engraved into what their story is. But, uh, yeah, that being said, I'm giving it an A, you know, if it went out of the ballpark and really did some stuff I didn't expect or whatever, probably an A+, plus, but a solid A is where I'm going to leave this. I think it's a safe bet. Um, but yeah, go see this movie if you haven't seen it yet. Power Rangers is a lot of fun. You know, whether you like it or you hate it, you're not going to walk out regretting seeing it. That's my guarantee. Um, but thank you all for listening, especially if you got to the very end of this. Um, I love doing these reviews. Sometimes they take a little while, but I appreciate you sticking it out and getting to the end of this. So thank you all for listening so much, and have a great night. Bye-bye. Be sure to check out panelbuyer.blogspot.com, panelbuyer.podbean.com, and look for The Panelbuyer on Facebook and Twitter. The Panelbuyer is also on YouTube and on iTunes.